This is episode V, Valentine's Special, Love with Jody Moore. Feeling connected is a basic human need, as vital as air, water, and food. I'm here to talk about bridging the gap between ourselves, our friends and family, life partners, and anyone we come in contact with so we can more fully experience connection. Ugh, I'm still pinching myself that this really happened, this interview with Jody Moore. I can't wait to share with you our conversation, and I'm not going to waste another minute. So here we go. Okay, so I'm here with Jody Moore. Dreams come true, right? <laughs> and <laughs> would you mind just introducing yourself in your own words? Yeah, I am a life coach. And what that means for me is that I work with people on their mental and emotional health, people who want to either strengthen or improve themselves mentally and emotionally to just make it easier to navigate life's challenges, relationships, confidence, all of that, parenting, and or to achieve goals. And so we also actually in the last couple of years have added a business coaching program. So I do life coaching and business coaching. I have four kids and a cat and a dog and uh, live in Spokane, Washington. And I've been doing this now about over nine years and it's the most fun ever. Wow. That is so neat. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I know that I've been impacted by your work so much, so I appreciate you taking the time to be here for me. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes. So it seems like life lessons are so much clearer in retrospect. Why is that, right? (laughs) But Mm -hmm. what is an experience that you've had that has strengthened your character, especially as it relates to loving others? Mm, Where should we begin? (laughs) Yes, right. I would say the one that stands out the most in my mind is I had a boss that I struggled with, which prior to that, I had a whole bunch of bosses that I loved that were just really great mentors to me that I learned a lot. And I I just always had solid relationships with my bosses. I, I had many that were great, you know, worthy of respect and that, that really valued me and appreciated me. And so then when I got this boss who... I didn't have that kind of dynamic with it was, Mm -hmm. I was very confused. Yes. And of course I immediately thought that it was her fault that she was doing it wrong. She didn't know how to be a good leader and she didn't know how to communicate clearly. And she wasn't following through on things that you're supposed to follow through on. And so I really made myself miserable (laughs) to be honest. Yeah. And I became not as great of an employee either. And, or just not even the kind of person that I want to be like lots of gossiping about her behind her back. Lots of, you know, I wasn't doing anything like downright dishonest. I wasn't like stealing or anything like that, but I, I just became like this petty version of myself. Hmm. And I didn't realize that at the time. Again, I thought that she was just a terrible boss. (laughs) Right. Right. And even if she was, that doesn't matter. I became a terrible version of me in the end. And that was right around the same time that I found coaching. It was towards the end of my corporate career when I was introduced to coaching and same time I had that boss. And so I really started learning from my friend and fellow coach, Chris Plackey. She started teaching me the model and this situation with this particular boss was perfect for putting into the model. And what she showed me was how I was limiting myself with this story, with not loving this woman, right? And love is a, such a general word. And the way that you love your boss is not the same way you're going to love uh, other family members. But even just my judgment and rejection of her 
really punished me and prevented my own success, even career-wise. So once I was able to see that and notice how I was, had become so disempowered by blaming her, I found some new options, even just like, okay, so I have a boss who operates this way. Like she often doesn't respond to emails, for example. Right. And what made matters worse was that she lived in Arizona. I lived at the time in California. So we didn't even see each other face to face. It was like a long distance relationship. So that made communication challenging. Anyway, okay, I have this boss that doesn't tend to reply to emails and yet wants me to check in with her before I move forward. So given that's the situation, those are the circumstances. Now what? How am I going to be the excellent employee that I know I am? And that question, rather than what's wrong with her, how did she get that job? Why doesn't everybody see? The question of how am I going to create what I want for myself and be who I want to be, given this is the circumstance, was so much more useful because I realized, okay, what I need to do is email her and say, this is the way I'm going to move forward with this project. If I don't hear back from you in 48 hours, I will interpret that to mean, yes, that sounds good. And I will run with it. You know, once again, through coaching, I realized, wait a second, I can still achieve what I want here. I just have to work with what I've been given. Then of course that set me free. And in hindsight, you know, that, that woman who was my boss, I haven't talked to her since I left that company. I have no idea what she's up to, but I am appreciative of the opportunity it gave me to have to grow and evolve. Yes. And I think that's what difficult people do, right? Is give us that opportunity. <laughs> For sure. As hard as it is in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. How the power was turned back to you and it was in your control to control who you were as an employee and as a person and what you wanted to be and do instead of just being woe is me and this is my boss and my situation. So along with that, it was mind blowing when I learned from you that love comes from us. It's not from somebody else. It, if you had said, oh, my boss doesn't like me or he doesn't love me, those types of things. Again, it takes our power away if we are giving it to somebody else. So how do we generate that love within us then? Yeah. So the way I always talk about love and the, the way that I also found it really mind blowing to think about, because we always say, I want to feel loved right? Love, E-D, loved. Mm -hmm. I want to feel loved. Well, feeling loved is not actually a thing, okay? Mm -hmm. Love is an emotion that you feel in your body, and you can have the thought, he loves me, or I am loved, or I'm lovable, and that's going to create for you a, a feeling that will feel good. It might be it might be love for yourself that you might be feeling, or it might be just peace or confidence or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, our thoughts create our feelings. Other people's thoughts don't create our feelings. So like literally, scientifically, what happens is a sentence occurs in our minds, and then our bodies release a chemical or hormone, depending on what that sentence is. And it's the brain and body's way of working together to help us navigate the world. So if I think a thought like, oh, that alleyway looks scary and dark, I could get hurt if I go down that alleyway, my body might release a chemical and hormone that makes me feel fear or hesitation. And that's useful because even if I'm not really aware of my thoughts, 
we're all very aware of our feelings. And so it causes me to steer clear of that dark alleyway. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, but it's because I had the thought that looks dangerous. I'm not going to go down that alley. Right. So love is the same way. Love is a feeling that we feel in our bodies when we think a thought. So I can be talking to you, Jen, and think, oh, she's so sweet and kind and lovely. And then I'm going to feel love for you, or I'm going to feel positive emotion because of my thoughts. You're not going to feel my emotion. You're going to feel your emotions. If you choose to think Jody likes me, mm-hmm. you might feel something positive. But often we don't do that, right? Like it's, if you think back to when we were of dating age, right? And there could be a a boy that had a crush on you. And if it was a boy that you kind of liked back, then you would think thoughts that would generate positive emotions. But if it was a boy you really couldn't stand, it actually kind of creeps you out Mm -hmm. to think he likes me, right? Mm -hmm. So other people's thoughts and feelings about us are just our circumstances. And then we have the opportunity to think and feel a certain way. And that all happens on default without thinking about it. But what, what you and I know from coaching is that we can slow it down and choose it a little bit more intentionally, but it's always our thoughts creating our feelings in the end, not outside circumstances, namely in this case, other people. Yeah. I love that. I appreciate you so much as a teacher because I feel like you're so good at bringing those profound truths back around or telling new stories in a new way, but still with those same principles. And again, you just, I I fall into the trap of, oh, I've said this before. So people understand it or they know it, you know, but you're just Mm -hmm. so good at repeating and, and again, keeping it fresh, but just always circling back around. And I I love that about your coaching Mm -hmm. and teaching. Thank you. Yeah. So now on to more like romantic love, like we were talking about, there's different types of love. Do you feel like you have a story or an experience that defines your relationship with your spouse? Yeah. I mean, let me just be really candid that it is my relationship with my spouse, just like all of my relationships, I guess, in hindsight is dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I remember when I got married, my dad said to me, just don't forget that in a marriage, there's good days and bad days and there's good years and bad years. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's been really helpful to me because I think it's tempting when you're in a bad year or a tough a tough time or a tough week or month to think maybe I made the wrong choice or, or married the wrong person or our marriage is doomed, we're headed the wrong direction or any of that. And I don't believe that. I, th- I think I love my marriage. I think we have a really good marriage, but it's not always lovely and easy in all honesty. Like there are times there are days and there are years even where things feel light and fun and we're connecting easily and we're on the same page about our goals. And then there's other weeks, months, even years where it feels really challenging. And it's that constant battle of like my brain wanting to blame him for being wrong or doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And then knowing that that's not useful And that's disempowering, but having to be compassionate with myself as that happens, and then taking back who do I want to be and how do I want to impact the situation here? So we have a great marriage. I don't mean to paint a doom and gloom picture, but I just want to be real with people that I don't think it's just meant. I was watching like this chick flick on the plane yesterday. It was like a Katie Holmes movie about this couple that um, accidentally rents the same Airbnbs, two strangers, right at the beginning of COVID. 
And of course, they end up falling in love. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just ruined the movie, but uh-huh. I think you could tell by the name. Yes. <laughs> and I was, and like just watching the excitement of meeting somebody new and then, you know, the first time kissing that person and all of that. And it was, you know, re- causing me to remember those feelings. And a little part of me was like, oh, because I've been married now like 18 years, you know, and it doesn't feel the same. Mm-hmm. But I was like, but that's, that, that is actually not meant to last forever. And so I think that we have to remember that marriage is amazing and beautiful and hard work as it's supposed to be. So I don't know if that's what you wanted me to say around Valentine's day, but (laughs) that's okay. That's great. It's true. I've heard before too, that no feeling is final and that goes for any emotion. Mm. You know, you're going to have those good times. You're going to have those hard times and they're going to come and go. Mm-hmm. And right. yeah, so there's this story that happened at the beginning of my husband's and I's marriage. And it's just, I feel like it illustrates our personalities and who we are as a couple. But my friend was asking me, she said, do you think that story will change over time? You know, as the one that defines your relationship. And it's true. Mm-hmm. Of course, there will be different times where our relationships looks different just because relationships evolve just like people evolve. So it's so true. What is your story? I want to hear yours. Yeah, right. So my husband is a huge jigsaw puzzle fan. He just all the time jigsaw puzzles and he's so good at it too. I feel like he can just pick up a piece and he knows right where it goes. And mm-hmm. so we had been married six months and in our spare bedroom was just a catch-all bedroom. You know, it had a bunch of luggage and knickknacks and a desk and all these things. And uh, his puzzle table was actually two stacks of water bottles and he had a flat board on top and that was his puzzle table and he was about halfway through a thousand piece puzzle and I was in there organizing one day and I reached up into the closet to get a sleeping bag and it fell and it just crushed all the pieces everywhere and so I was crying and I said I'm so sorry I wrecked your puzzle and he comes into the bedroom are you okay what was that crash and I I was apologizing and he was calming me down for wrecking his puzzle and he was like no it's okay they're meant to come that way I get to put it together again and he just was so calm and so I feel like that's just our relationship I just I have all this anxious energy and you know anxiety and worries and he just calms me down and keeps it all constant and and so we balance each other out beautiful so (laughs) I love that that's so good yeah so I I just love going back to that story and so again it will probably change but I just feel like that defines our relationship so and it sounds like that story serves you well right now so yeah I would let it be the story yeah Yeah, that's awesome I love that I need to think of a specific situation like that. I haven't right? done that before, but I think that's such a great exercise. Yeah. And it's hard to sift through all those memories, but again, it's fun. So yeah, that's yeah. great. So what is something that we can do to increase our love for those who are more difficult to love or just the common stranger or people like that? Mm. Okay. Well, the first thing, if I have a client struggling to love is that it's almost like you have to prove to your brain that we're doing this for our sake because it feels like sort of like we were talking about earlier. It feels like if I'm going to love somebody, if I'm, if I'm going to love my boss, who's not replying to my emails and does all these other things I don't like, it feels like that's not fair. Why? Like she doesn't deserve my love. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and that's a minor example. There are like literally people doing really harmful, toxic things, or maybe, maybe somebody just, speaks really unkindly to you or what have you, right? 
So why would we love someone like that when clearly they're, they don't deserve it. They haven't earned that. We've our brains think that other people have to earn our love. And so what I'm always trying to begin with is like, no, I'm doing this for me because I get to feel the love, the love, love feels so amazing. Feeling angry, resentful, frustrated feels terrible. And I have to feel that. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to feel. They're going to feel their own emotions. Maybe they're going to feel also angry with me for being angry at them, but that's still their anger coming from their thoughts. So I'm doing this because I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to punish myself for that other person's bad behavior. Hmm. And so that has to be the first step because otherwise I think our brains resist it. And the other thing is then we pay attention to the story. Just like you said, your story about your husband generates a lot of love for you, for your husband. What is the story you're telling yourself? And when we do this in coaching, we get really specific. We look at specific situations, right? Like that puzzle story you just told me, that's a specific circumstance. You want to look at specific circumstances and take a look at what you're making it mean. What are you making their behavior mean? What are you making their words mean? And choose that more intentionally. And I will say this too. I'm not a fan of just thinking positive thoughts about negative situations. Okay. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about finding a more empowering thought. And if if we're trying to get to love, you can love someone and still have boundaries. I think we think of love as just like let people do whatever they want and walk all over you and we people please and we do all kinds of not useful things from love. That is not love. Uh, or Well, it's it might be, I don't know if we would define it as love or not, but I just want to be clear. When I say love, I mean love for everyone in the situation. So love for the other person, love for yourself, love for whatever kids are involved or anybody who's involved. How do we love everyone? Sometimes love says no. Sometimes love leaves a marriage or a relationship. Sometimes love has boundaries. So you deciding to just let go of the grip of resentment, anger, frustration doesn't mean that you're going to let people walk all over you because you want to be loving them, which again, might be thoughts like, well, they must be operating from some kind of pain or hurt to be behaving that way. But then it's also love for yourself. So, you know, again, back to my boss. Okay, so what am I going to do now? How am I going to create the result that I want? I'm not going to just sit back and go, I guess she doesn't reply to emails. I'm going to go, okay, she doesn't reply to emails. I don't know why. None of my business. But I can still get my job done. How am I going to make that happen? And I can stop being mad at her and become more empowered. So it's it, it's paying attention to your thoughts, choosing them more intentionally, but they have to be believable and they have to be something that serves everyone in the situation. Yeah, so true. I love how you started out with that, that we need to convince our brain. And so it needs to be a believable thought that, you know, even if we don't go to, I love her right away, you know, that's just the stepping stones of, oh, I have a boss or my boss does this or, you know, oh, she cares about her work or, you know, you just build up to that. So yeah, I love that. that's right. And I, I will, sorry, let me just add on this okay. thought. Um, when I was certified as a coach at the life coach school, part of the way that, that they train us there is like when I'm coaching someone, I have to be neutral, right? I have mm -hmm. to hold neutral space and help my clients see what's going on and work through it. And part of that is 
whenever what they want coaching on has other people in the story, which often does, I am trained to love everyone in the story. So when a client comes on my call, right? And they'll maybe they start talking about their daughter-in-law who doesn't ever let them see the grandkids or something, right? Mm -hmm. So first thing is, as soon as my client comes on the call, I'm like, I love this woman. I don't know this woman. I maybe have never talked to her before in my life, but I love her. I've trained myself to just think loving thoughts like she is amazing and she's a mess just like all of us. And she's so lovable. I love her. Mm -hmm. And then as she starts talking about her daughter-in-law and telling me all the things that her daughter-in-law does that she doesn't like, I my next thought is I love that daughter-in-law. I love her. She's just a human being. Like the, we have what we have here is two women, two human beings in the world trying to feel good about themselves, trying to get their needs met, trying to navigate a relationship with each other. They're both so lovable. And because I've been trained to do that as a coach and I can show my client why my client, she herself is completely lovable and not wrong here and shouldn't be judged. And also her daughter-in-law is completely lovable and not wrong and shouldn't be judged. It, it makes it easier to do that in my own life. It's like so amazing when you start viewing things through that lens and it's, you don't have to go through coach training to do it. You just ask yourself, what if everybody in this situation is lovable? Now what? What if we got here? If that's really true, lovable and a mess. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Then, then we can really see what's true and we can really make progress. So, yeah. so true. Let me be just the devil's advocate just for yes, a second. But, so when you say keep it neutral, though, if you're viewing it through love, isn't that not neutral? But I see how that serves us for sure. I was just wondering how that fits in there If when you say neutral. Yeah, that's such a good question. What I mean by neutral is like I, as a coach, am not in a position to be able to say who's right and who's wrong. Hmm. That's what I mean by neutral. Got it. So it's different if my sister calls me and she's like, guess what happened at the grocery store today? This guy cut me off. I'm like, what? What a jerk, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like I'm not Got neutral it. anymore. I'm on my sister's side. Yeah. Or even if my friend is complaining about her husband or something, I'm like, oh, that sounds so hard. I'm sorry. Like I'm on my friend's side, Got right? It. Yeah. But when I'm coaching, I'm not taking sides here. That's what I mean by neutral. Everyone's worthy of love. Mm -hmm. Everyone is. And everyone's doing it amazingly well sometimes and terrible at other times. So I am not, there's no good guys and bad guys. There's just people. That's what I mean by neutral, but it's a really good question. You're right. Yeah. So. That makes sense. I like that. And then in one of your recent episodes, you were talking about pride and shame and how those are actually the same, you know, that's a perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that. That was that was it's been a really popular episode. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so how would you coach someone who is on like the higher end of pride. Like they do think that they're better than everyone else. You know, they're, yeah. Mm -hmm. We would just take a look at their thoughts. So it's, it's pretty unusual for someone to say, I just think I'm better than ev everyone else that what it will sound like more often is just judgment mm. of someone else. They may mm -hmm. say like, well, you shouldn't like, this comes up a lot with food, right? Like, well, I'm just worried about my husband. He, he's, he needs to lose some weight. He shouldn't mm -hmm. be so overweight. He shouldn't be whatever. That's a version of pride, right? It's like, I wouldn't eat that way. 
Hmm. I take care of my body. If the doctor told me I was unhealthy, I would lose the weight. But it it often doesn't sound like I'm better than, but that is sort of how it shows up is like judgment of others, whereas shame is judgment of ourselves. So what we do is we just take a look at like, how do we know what your husband should do? Your hmm. husband should have agency, right? Yeah. And you know, we could make, we could make a solid case for like, he would be happier and his life might be longer and all of that if he ate better, but we could also make a solid case for like, he gets to live however he wants. And his agency is an important part of his life experience. And we're just in judgment now and we can control him and trying to do this weird dance where we don't want him to feel judged, but we're trying to control his food. It doesn't seem to be working. So we just take a look at the thoughts, but it usually shows up as judgment of others. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And I know that that gets in the way of loving others because you're just focusing on you or what you think is best or the right way and mm-hmm. stops you from loving them. So that's perfect. And it feels like love, right? It's like, no, I love him. That's why I want him to be healthy. But, mm. you know, and it, it, it isn't coming from an entirely bad place either. I just think that it prevents us from showing up the way we want and from truly loving, which is embracing people where they are. Yeah. So again, not that there isn't a time for boundaries and all of that, but we do a lot more of trying to control other people than is necessary. And that blocks love. And when you recognize, I don't know how my husband should be. I don't know how my mother-in-law or my daughter-in-law should be. Like all of that's made up in my head about the way people should be. Even if a lot of people agree with me, even if the doctor agrees with me, it's still just a story. What if I'm wrong? What if people should be however they choose to be? Because I think that's the truth. (laughs) I think that's the reality. And that's when you set yourself free to just love people as they are. Yes. Beautiful. Another question on a different topic is what's one of your favorite inspirational quotes? I love quotes and I collect them. I have a little book of them. So I just was wondering if you have a favorite. Right now, and it changes all the time, but right now, I actually, I don't know if you heard this story I told recently, but I bought this necklace in the airport, Mm -hmm. has two little gold bars, and it's from Joan of Arc. One says, I am not afraid, and the other one says, I was made for this, Mm -hmm. and it's famous Joan of Arc quote, and I had the craziest experience. I, I was just like killing time in the airport gift shop, bought this necklace, And then I went and sat down to wait for my flight. And I get on Instagram and this woman who I've been working with, I'm writing another book right now, a second book. And she's sort of my book coach and she's very like spiritual. And I I love her. She's amazing. Kira Brinton is her name. And she posted right then that she was changing her publishing company to be Joan of Arc Publishing. And the very first thing her caption said was, I am not afraid. I was made for this. And I just like, almost made me cry. So I love that, you know, Joan of Arc faced a lot of trials and battle, literal battles. And we don't face those kind, but we face our own. And I was made for this. It's pretty empowering thought. That's good. I love it. Yeah. Like you say, we're always trying to collect new thoughts. And so that's a good one. Yeah. So what's your new book about? Can you tell us? I don't know if you've talked about it or Yes, I have talked about it. It's I'm just in the beginning phases of it. So I'm not sure yet what it's going to turn into. But it's, I really want to share stories that free all of us a little bit from some of the, the thinking and the stories that we were raised to socialized, if you will, to believe around 
things that create like scarcity around money or shame or pride, like we were talking about. So it's much more of a storytelling book. And I don't know, originally my thought was like, I love, you know, when you, we get all these text messages and emails and from marketing companies, and there's always the option to unsubscribe. If you don't want to hear from this place anymore, you just unsubscribe. So originally I was like this, I want this book to be like unsubscribe, like that whole story about money's really hard. You have to work hard for it and all that unsubscribe Yeah. Um, that women are less than in any way and that their lives should look a certain way unsubscribe. So that's kind of the, the gist of it, but I don't know. We'll see what it turns into. Right. Yeah. That's good. No, I'm excited. That's awesome. Well, that's all the questions that I have for you. I okay. again wanted to thank you for your time. This is still yes. mind blowing that this is actually happening right now. It <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been really fun meeting you. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Ah, so good, right? I loved re-listening to it as I was editing. Definitely check Jody out if you haven't already. Her podcast is Better Than Happy and her first book is also called Better Than Happy, Connecting with Divinity Through Conscious Thinking. At the end of my interview with her, I asked if she wouldn't mind coaching me for a few minutes, and she graciously agreed, so I will put that as a bonus episode following this one. Thanks for listening to the podcast this week, and I will talk to you again soon.